to be right up front with you. That um, uh, song, that the last one we just sung or sang or sings, whatever, any of the three together, um, it's a very touchy one in my heart. Uh, it really pulls me into a lot of different directions uh, because there's, you cannot get away from when you start to honor God. And it's a really, a, a, I don't even want to say a concept, it's something that's really lost in some generations right now when it comes to the subject of honor. And honor just simply means to esteem something greater. And uh, it's something that uh, I feel very passionate about, and that's honoring God. And not only just honoring God, honoring you. And so as we begin to step into this series, there's a real big passion of myself to really just unfold the Scriptures in a way that you can learn it and apply it. And uh, hit some truths sometimes that are those touchy ones that are questions we all ask, but we're afraid to really talk about it because it kind of takes you beyond maybe where you're living and where you are right now. Sometimes there's truths that we talk about in Scripture that really cause us to face up with some tougher questions, especially when we start talking about our subject now and really with eternity. And so here's how what we said to you last week as we ventured into this. Uh, we're going to be doing this for three more weeks, I think two more weeks after this. You just cannot do what you need to do in four weeks. So I'm doing my best to get the most important things to you that I think is what we need to hear as a church. And uh, so we, basically what happened last week is we jumped on to uh, uh, taking a trip of a lifetime together. I want to just begin to kind of do a paradigm shift in your thinking beyond this place and where we live right now. And so I'm just trying to help you understand kind of the concept, maybe a journey that we're all going to take together and start to go on a trip that we're all going to take someday. And I call it the trip of a lifetime because that's exactly what it is. Everybody's going to this, destin- this place. And uh, where we're traveling to is eternity. And that's eternity just simply means what happens after death. And we've all experienced death. We've all seen death. We've all had loved ones possibly to go on home to be with the Lord. Some way too soon. Some tragically. Some normally we would say, you know, because of age. All the different and everything in between that. And it's a question that we said that is built on the inside of every single one of us. God said so. Of eternity. And so I'm just kind of being your travel agent through this process. I just want to help you uh, maybe make some pre-planning of how to get there and maybe express some of the cost along the way. And, uh, you know, I've invited Hannah to come alongside me next week. She'll be kind of my travel assistant, and she's going to share some things with you next week, especially next week, man. You, don't, you, you just don't want to miss because it, it, without next week... Everything we said last week and this week will kind of be almost ununderstandable in a sense because you've got to understand the resurrection. You've got to know the power of resurrection from Genesis to Revelations. Resurrection is there from start to finish. The God that we love and the God that we serve and the God that we honor is in the constant mindset of resurrecting things that are dead, bringing them to life. And when you connect resurrection to the heaven and the new earth, which is beyond rapture, beyond heaven above, and we come back to new earth, oh, my, 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 and you start putting those truths. You can't go there now. Don't even try. I'm, I'm probably distracting you right now with that. But I'm doing it on purpose because I want to begin to shift you from just thinking of the now and just my heaven moment. There's a big heaven moment coming to all of us. And maybe you'll get to hear some of that next week. 
But as we're going on this journey and we're traveling and planning this trip and, and, and going to this place called eternity, I want to start with our text. I just want to go there. That'll kind of get us going in the right direction um, because I want to really prove to you just through the scriptures. And here's something that you've got to maybe accept. Uh, and I challenge you with this acceptance. Our travel guide that we're using is, is the scriptures, the word, the word of God. There's a lot of different things out there that could help you along the testimonies and stories of life and death, life after death experiences that I believe are very true and very real and line up with even the travel guide we're using and, and scriptures. But, but sometimes we, we, if we rely on those experiences too much and it just doesn't maybe line up with an experience that you could have between now and then, then there could be question that could come along your way. And, and then you begin to question God. And you just can't build your beliefs and things, anything when it comes to God, on experience of another human being. Okay? Now we can learn what's cool about this travel guide. We've got some great people that have really unfolded some things of experiences that they've had. Now they made it into the Bible. You didn't yet. Okay, you're writing your story of Bible right now. But these guys, what I like about them is they, they can help us with some experience of, of, of some maybe visions and things that they saw when it comes to certain locations that Scripture talks about. And we're going to hit some of those things today. But as we get into this place, I want you to see this very powerful truth that we all question, really just to convince you that this question's inside of you. In, in, in the scriptures here in Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11. I'm pulling out a one snippet of this. You can go read the beginning and go read the end of it, and you can see all in context of what we're saying right here. Actually, it's really powerful. We just don't have the time to do it. Here we go in this scripture in Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11. Our travel guide, all right? Showing us maybe the good things and the bad things and the things that we would want to be interested in if we're taking... Do you know what a trip of a lifetime is? I said to you last week, a trip of a lifetime would be like you coming to me and saying, you know what? I'm getting ready. I've been planning a trip of a lifetime forever. And I finally get to go on it. And, and I'm saying, well, well, that's awesome. But where are you going? And you say, man, I'm going to Florida. I said, man, that's great. But Florida's a big state. That's a big place. Where are you going in Florida? And you might come to me and say, I'm going to Orlando, I'm going to Palm Beach, I'm going to the Keys, you know. I'm just telling you, if it's me, I'm going straight to the Keys, I'm going all the way down, uh, just because of this warm weather and all of that. But, but you see, there's specifics, there's different, I don't want to know just about your state you're going to, I want to know the location you're going, because maybe I want to go there. And if it's your trip of a lifetime, there's a good chance it could be my trip of the lifetime. And uh, so maybe your information would help me. So this is what we're doing. We're just taking the time, planning together the trip of a lifetime into eternity. But that's just the destination. I want to hear some locations in eternity. There's only two of them. Okay? If I look at the travel guide, there's only two of them that you get a choice to go to. And we'll talk about those here in a minute. Here we go. Here's our text. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. And it simply reads this way. He, God has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Now, the Good News translation reads this way. God has given us the desire to know the future. All right? Let me read it to you out of the Amplified translation. He also has planted, he's put a seed in you, which means this will grow. It's not just something that just, it's just dormant inside of you. He says, I've planted a seed, I've planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. 
A little bit of imagination involved here. A little bit of thinking involved here. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. So if God's put this question of eternity and we choose to believe that, let me say it this way. Even if you don't believe in God, this question's there. Even if you don't believe in maybe a couple of our locations we'll talk about today, heaven and hell. That's our subject matter. It's heaven versus hell. If, if you don't believe in any of that, you don't believe in God, you, I'm, I, I'm just trusting. I, here, here's a better way to explain it to you. How many have ever been to a funeral? Almost overwhelmingly, everybody. See, we don't even want to talk about funerals because it's, it refers to death. It's a subject we're scared of. Because it reminds us of a loss. It it puts fear into us of the unknown. It makes us think of a memory we don't want to remember. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But death is evident. It's It's coming. It's coming to every person. Whether before the rapture or after the rapture, this mortality that we live is going to end. In a sense of this earth. But if you've all been to a funeral, I don't, like I said, I don't care if you've been to heaven or, or been to heaven. <laughs> I don't care if you believe in heaven or not. This question will be there because it forces you. I hate to say force, it does. You ask the question, the whys. You ask where. You think of you and say, what? You know, that was the most, man, they, that was, can I be up front and say, man, that was a horrible funeral. They did not make that guy look good at all. Maybe that's you. I can't answer that. But you start asking certain things. Man, what have I done? You start to hear. You want to hear what he did. And, and, and you start to think. And it always makes us feel good if, if the person that's up there behind the pulpit says good things about that person and a good step beyond this place where they are right now. If you're honest. I don't care if you're saved or unsaved. You want to hear good things, right? Now, as I begin to talk about some of these things today... Um, and we're kind of talking about the end of life, as you know it. <laughs> I got to get real fleshy with you when I said that song, uh, when, I, when I read that and I said that statement yesterday. I thought of this band called REM back in the late 80s, early 90s. And anybody remember REM? It's in the end, well, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That's my question. At the end of the world for you, will you feel fine? The only way you're going to feel fine if you've got this question answered. Okay? And it's, it's a question of eternity. Question of location. Question of destination. Now listen, listen, listen. This gets good. I, I almost read this scripture to you last week, but um, I just didn't get there. We had a lot of fun doing other things. Psalm 39, verses 4 through 5. Uh, before I do it, look. This book, Heaven by Randy Alcorn... I don't ever, ever uh, solicit for stuff like this. This is phenomenal. It's a good read. It's a long read. You can't read it all in one day. Maybe some of you lightning quick people, but I guarantee you, you don't get it all in one day. And there's a bunch of other resources out there, but this one's good. Some of the things you'll hear today, I pulled from this. But I want you to see something, and I, because it's, it, it lines up with Scripture. And again, if you get away from Scripture, you're in trouble. All right? But listen to this. Oh, boy. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. 
You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifespan is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. If you look at the scriptures, three score and ten, I get it. People kind of land on 80, land on 85. Some of you here, that's not good news because you're past 85. <laughs> now listen, the scripture really does, studying out long length of time, promises everyone in this room as a believer, as a Christian, at least 120 years. 120 years, not many people are getting there. But I will say this, in the world we live in now, people are living longer than they did, say, 20 years ago. And that says a lot to do with uh, technology and, and all kinds of other things. But people are living long. But, I, but, but will you listen to this staggering thought? As a human being, we have a terminal disease called morality or mortality. The current death rate is 100%. Unless Christ returns soon, we are all going to die. We don't like to think about death, yet worldwide, three people die every second, 180 every minute, and nearly 11,000 people die every hour. If the Bible is right about what happens after death, it means more than 250,000 people every day take the trip of a lifetime to heaven or hell. Staggering thought, right? So, again, if I'm a travel agent and you're going to a certain place, eternity, there's two locations I want to help you with. I want to show you this could be one you want to choose, this could be one you don't want to choose. Or vice versa, totally up to you. I think once you see some things today about both of them, it's not a real easy, a real hard choice to make. But, and, and uh, you know, my wife is laughing and... and uh, uh, because sometimes we are overlooking so much because of what we are living in so much. And we forget that this is people's lives. This is your life. And we're consumed with me and us and this. I need to, paradigm, I need to shift you this, this month to think bigger. I need to draw into your imagination. I need to come into your spirit so you think bigger than the natural that you live in, which is so limited in its time. You're a vapor, you're a blip, you're a blink of an eye, and it changes just like that. Ask somebody that's close to 90, and they'll tell you, it's, it's, it's that. And sometimes we wish we could get all the things back and, and get to a place where we can do things differently. You know, there's a, a gentleman I was talking to here. i got to be careful with my... Oh, gosh. I got to be careful with, with time because I was talking to a gentleman here. I've talked to him quite a bit, and, and he's 85 or something like that. Every time I talk to him, he tells me he's excited about life. He still wants to make a difference, and he's involved in our community. He's not quitting. It's that place. And he's got maybe a fraction of a third to left, according to the Scriptures, and he is still excited about what God's doing. Heaven or hell? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, NIV. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Key. For those who love Him, those in relationship with Him, those have Jesus, who have Jesus as their Lord, this is what's prepared for them. We'll talk about later. But now, he goes on to say, but listen, because sometimes we get held up there and people come to you and say, see there, you can't know what God's got. But they forget to read verse 10. 
Verse 10 says, but God has revealed this to us by His Spirit. I'm trying to save time. Let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about these two locations, these two destinations that you can go to in eternity. Most know what that would be, heaven or hell. So let's talk about the darker one first. Let's talk about hell first. Now, this is not one of those jumping, exciting, probably subjects you want to talk about. I get it. You trade places with me, you would understand. But the travel guide is very, actually more clear on its uh, absolutes than even it is about heaven because I'm confident that the Jesus that we serve who spoke 33 times on the subject more on heaven, on hell than he did heaven wants us to get a message across to us so that we can understand 167 times the subject of hell is mentioned in the scriptures and we're taking it out of church because it doesn't feel good we're taking it out of church because it's easier to think of heaven and we're going to land on heaven today absolutely we're going to find what heaven is and, and see what's exciting but and see where you want to go you'll be wanting to go today probably all of you will translate out of here right now today especially after you hear what hell is Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31 if you were going on this trip of a lifetime and there was hell was one of your choices, let's just take a look. Let's just get some details about it. See what it looks like. Let's see what's there. Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31 in the New Living Translation. There's no way I'm going to read that to you, but basically what you have here, you have Jesus. This is pre-resurrection. This is pre-resurrection. And so when you look at this, you've got two main characters. You have a rich man and you have a beggar. Lazarus is his name. Lazarus, not the same Lazarus that was raised from the dead. And it starts off by acknowledging that they're on earth together. And it shows the rich man, the beggar, Lazarus, comes to the rich man in need, in help, comes to him, and the rich man pushes him off, doesn't give him the attention, and it gives us the understanding that it was not important to him because he was really consumed about him and himself, and so rich man was, or beggar was not important to him. And then it immediately transitioned into chapter, verses 2 and 3, I believe, verses 2 and 3, into uh, after death. They both die. And it shows that now the beggar goes into what's called Abraham's bosom. You don't care about that now because this was before resurrection. And people died in before resurrection would go into a place called Abraham's bosom, which is simply just a type and shadow of the heaven that we have an expectance of today. So don't get caught off with that. It's more important to hear about the next person because the rich man goes to Hades, the scripture says, which is defined as hell. He goes into this place called hell, and uh, ultimately what's, what's funny is even the King James takes the word hell out of the scriptures. A lot of them do, but in the original, it's there. And so when you look at this and you find out what Jesus is trying to get across, he's trying to tell his disciples, look, you need to know that the destination of a man that will put more emphasis on the life you're living now than the eternity life we're going to and look past people that are in need now and become more self-minded now, there's a price that that will come to that. And when you go through this chapter, you find out that there are, the word torment is used four times. That is describing to, you actually see that <clears throat> Jesus describing to his disciples the experience more that the actual rich man was having so that we can get an understanding of this, this is probably a location that, that it might not be a good choice to go, but you can go there if you want. 
Here's what it says. We see the word torment. He says torment. he was tormented in hell, tormented in flames. 32 times hell is referred to as fire and flame in the scriptures. 19 times Jesus describes hell, <clears throat> describes hell as fire. Lazarus was comforted, the rich man was tormented, the third reference, and the fourth reference, keep my family from coming to this place of torment. You see that the rich man now is very aware of the circumstances that he's in. And he says, I, look, please get the message to the people I love because I don't want them to be here where I am. They don't want to come here. And the end of the, listen, what's interesting, this is not a parable. This is an actual account. This is a, not just a simple story. This is not a simile, which means it's like this, it's like this. No, no, no. This is reality. And when you see what happens here, the, the rich man is saying, look, save my family so they don't come here. And he's told immediately at the end of that chapter, too late. He's told Ostley, actually he's told this, he said that, listen, if they don't receive even my prophets, they'll never believe what you're doing right now because they can't see it. Because their eyes are callous to reality of eternity, just like yours was. And you put yourself before eternity. Now you're having to live in eternity. Yeah, I didn't think that would be a real winner either. But Matthew chapter 8. I want you to see in this chapter again, what you see in Luke 16 is that it is choice. God doesn't send people to hell. Never has, never will. But people reject a loving God every single day. It's your choice of the matter. Now, now thank God, the majority of us here have already made this choice. So begin to look at it through the eyes of your salvation. But do a shift in your thoughts about the importance of the person to the right or to the left of you or the person that you walk by on the street. This could be their outcome. If there's any blip of love in you at all, at all, there would be a thought beyond yourself maybe 10 minutes a day. But that 10 minutes could be a life-changing experience for a person's eternity. Matthew 8, 11 through 12. I say to you that many Gentiles will come from the east and the west and will sit down. <laughs> this is good news. To feast at the table and enjoy God's promise with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So now we have heaven as a location. <laughs> because they accepted me as Savior choice while the sons and heirs of the kingdom people that should know better the descendants of Abraham who will not recognize me as Messiah will be thrown out into the outer darkness in that place which is the farthest removed from the kingdom there will be weeping and sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth in distress and anger and there's no way I can tell you what the reference of that is ultimately trying to describe let's just say it's from a pagan practice that, is, that was used that to sacrifice their firstborn or within the first year of their children they would take these kids the kids knew that their moment in time was a sacrifice because it would determine prosperity of their whole life so they would put their child into a burning pit of fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth because the kids would walk up to it and know it and your Savior is telling you, now, this is not something to flirt around with.
In Revelations 9, 11, 17, and 20, I'm just describing the place. That's all. Torment, fire. <laughs> it's not a shouter today, is it? Torment, fire, flame. Uh, can I describe the word torment to you real quick? The word torment, it simply means acute pain from debilitating disease. It means back of torture. You know what the word back of torture comes, or the phrase comes from? A torture used in this time period where they would tie a man's hands here, tie a man's feet. They put them on an oval-shaped set of spikes, and they would crank them until what happened, they stretched them so much that the spikes would come through their body. This is a fire that would melt metal. According, to, I'm just telling you what the word torment was. Revelations 9, 11, 17, and 20. Hell is referred to as a bottomless pit. Revelations 14, 11 says there's no rest day or night. Now listen. There are two physical properties that keep us mentally stable in this world. Let me make sure I get them. I don't want to get them confused. Yes, yes, yes. Two physical properties that keep us mentally stable in this world, light and solid. If I got light, I can get there. If I got something to stand on, I'm secure. This is a bottomless pit. The best reference I can give you of this, listen to me now. As a, as a volunteer fireman, we go into circumstances that, that, that are dark, that are uh, uh, smoky. Sometimes we train in this, and I cannot begin to tell you how eerie feeling it is, is when you're breathing in a mask and you can't see anything around you. Nothing. All you can feel is heat that's just, I can't even begin to tell you. If it wasn't for my gear, you'd be melted. The heat, not being able to see. And the only thing that keeps you sane or secure for my relationship with God, thank God, is the fact that I have a person holding on my foot I have contact. I can feel. I have a ground. I have hold on to something. I have contact with that person. Or I've got my hand on a wall. All the way I have something. That keeps me sane. It keeps me confident. It keeps me knowing that I can trust what's in front of me. It gives me the hope that's necessary that I need. And to be honest with you, sometimes when you, when you find the fire, because you can't see it at first, but when you find the fire, it's almost exhilarating because, ah, there it is. Because it's so pitch dark. So, and what he's saying is that this is, that hell is such a bottomless pit that you're, you're just, you're floating. You never have contact with anyone. No friendships, no relationships, can't talk to nobody, nobody can hear you, no one knows you, except those that were there before you. And you're floating and you're in this place of bottomless Anybody ever rode a roller coaster before? And that feeling of weightlessness when you drop down that hill, I love it. Oh gosh, it's so awesome. But you're glad when it's over? It never stops. Because you're weightless. Rest. How about rest? How, how many love the fact that when you have a, tire, a day, you've worked whole, so, so long on a day, you've worked, and, and you come home, and, and your wife, if she's wonderful, if she's nice, if she's a great wife, she says, honey, just take an hour and just rest for a little bit. That doesn't usually happen. What does rest do? It rejuvenates you. 
There's two emotional states that really help us stay stable, and that's rest and hope. And in hell, there's no rest, there's no hope, there's no solid, there's no light. And when I think of this place and rest and how much it rejuvenates me, think you'll never get rest in hell. That's one destination you can go to. And it's your choice. It's probably not the best choice as your travel agent. I would say probably, you know, I got a better one if you want to hear about it. You want to hear about the better choice? Are you ready to move away from that place? Let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about this next destination. Let's talk about this place that I'm going to need you to go somewhere with me, okay? I'm going to need you to go. I'm going to need you to fly. <laughs> not, the, not on maybe the truth of experience. I need you to fly in your head, in your mind, on the, on the thought of the truth and how the truth begins to help you. Without imagination, I'm just telling you, your desires will no, have no meat to them. You'll have to go to a place where you can imagine beyond this place because you've never been there. You've never seen it. But I've made all of those other things about hell very tangible to you, very real to you, and I want to do the exact same thing with heaven. I want to make its untangibility tangible to you if you choose to go to that location and that place. And I think by the end of today, it's your choice. I'm actually enjoying this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. The <clears throat> Glory to God. I read the scripture to you in the very beginning, but I want to read it to you in the message translation. That's why we have the scripture text. I didn't, it's just, it's there. I didn't make that up. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagine anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because God, His Spirit, has brought it all out into the open before you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, qualifier, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. And the phrase seek those things simply means search out and go on a quest for this thing. Go on a quest for heaven. And if you study Jesus and you look at how he talked about heaven, the little bit that he did, and you look, he begins to make it tangible. He talks about homes. He talks about houses. He talks about places. He talks about coming back to you. He talks about, I'm preparing. I'm making this way for you. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You don't have to fear the truth of the hell that is an option. You can be confident to know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are mansions. One translation says many rooms. One translation says many places made specific for you. He says, let not your heart be troubled. I'm going to come back. I'm going to redeem. I'm going to pull you back. I'm going to resurrect a bunch of people. It's called the church at the rapture. And we're going to be in that place called heaven. But that's just not the final place. But that's something to start looking forward to. Anybody ever been on a trip of a lifetime and you stopped to a couple places along the way and they were, oh man, this is great. You almost wanted to stay there. Because it was so cool and it was so awesome, but you still had the expectation of the final, eternal destination. 
Heaven is just that stop along the way. Second Corinthians chapter 12, 2 through 4. Paul, having a vision of heaven, said, Oh my gosh, can you see it? He saw paradise. And he said he saw inexpressible things. Why did he use the term inexpressible? Because he couldn't express what he was seeing. You see, if you read Revelations, why is it so far-fetched in its terminology? Because you're taking men that were doing their best in the time period they were in to try to explain what they were seeing, but it was an unlimited place of of inexpressible. But the more they talked about it, the more you can see it, the more you can open up your heart to it, it begins to reveal a truth, a knowing, an understanding in your heart. Ooh, this this, this is good. In Philippians chapter 1, 22, 21 and verse 23, <laughs> Paul said that heaven is better. Actually, he uses the word far better. And in the same chapter, telling the Philippians about this vision he had, he said, it's gain for me to go there. But I love what he says in this too. He says, but it's more needful for me to stay with you. So here's a man that heard and saw an inexpressible paradise. He had enough within him. Love. Enough of like Jesus telling the story of hell and introducing heaven and healing and signs and wonders. Paul had enough within him still to say, ah, if I could just get there. But he says, no, I, I need to stay because some of you don't know. Some of you can't, I need to get this message to you. I need you to hear it. Revelations 21, 1 through 7, we read it last week. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. The first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed, for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear of their eyes. There'll be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain, contrary to the other destination. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give a drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. As your travel agent, listen to me. The first destination has a really expensive cost to it. Two same words, I guess. It's the most expensive trip you would ever take. Would you take that trip? Not if you didn't have the finances to do it. And I'm telling you about a trip now that's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Which is, and, and it seems to be a better destination. I mean, it's almost like, no, not to play on your, um, uh, let's play on all of our ignorance. Let's say, it, it's a no-brainer. That if I'm going to go somewhere that's free, and it's much better than the first I told you about, it's, it's kind of a, a no-brainer of a choice. 
But you know what? I, I very much am aware that all of that I just shared with you is even hard for us to fathom because we're just not there. You just can't see it. And here's the mistake that we make. And this is where the shift starts to take place. I wrote some things down. You see, what we do is we spend too much time looking up to see what heaven's going to be like when all you got to do is look around you. Because imagine where you are right now without the curse, without death. So can I just read some of the thoughts that I got? I, I, I think this will help you. Imagine this without sin and death and suffering and corruption. Look beyond the resurrection and the rapture. Look beyond to the new heaven and the new earth promised for a believer. Think of friends and family members who love Jesus and are with him right now. Picture them with you walking together. All of us having powerful bodies, stronger than they've ever been before. Laughing, playing, talking, and reminiscing. Some of us are so caught up in life, we can't even do that. Blue sky, palm trees. I know some of you don't like palm trees, but I love them. Blue sky, palm trees, flowers unwielded, grass green for miles and miles. No fighting. Because no, uh, I was looking at my dog, and I read this, and it went, no dogs that are fighting, biting, and getting at your feet. Just a funny. People smiling and joyful. No angry, depressed, broken, empty people. Sounds kind of selfish, doesn't it? No sickness, no poverty, no lack. Pick an apple or an orange off a tree and one pops right back. It becomes the sweetest thing you've ever tasted. And even that's not the most fulfilling part. You see someone coming towards you. It's Jesus with a big smile on his face. You thought you, some of you got in there by the skin of your teeth. I get it. But he doesn't remember anything but when you said, Jesus, I need you. And he sees you. You fall to worship. And he pulls you up and embraces you. Everywhere you go, there'll be new people, places to enjoy, new smells, smell, and new things to discover. Look around you. Quit looking up. Look around you and imagine this place without any of what you see today, the hurt and the pain. Setting our heart on things above. Two final statements. For the Christian, the present life is the closest thing they'll ever come to hell. For the unbeliever, it's the closest they'll ever get to heaven. So if I put all this in one summary, heaven or hell, both will be a trip of a lifetime. As your travel agent, I would say choose heaven. As your travel guide, I would say it's a better place. It's a better choice. And departure is very soon. Contrast of heaven or hell. Trip of a lifetime. Now you know what you miss and what you gain.